0: Well, our our text is from James chapter 4, verse 1 to 12, and I'm calling the, uh, entitling it as Submit to God, submit to God, okay. James chapter 4, verse 1 to 12. Let me read that out for all of us, and please follow along in your Bibles as well. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, James chapter 4, verse 1 to 12. Warning against worldliness. What causes and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil, evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Well, that's a really intense text, uh, if I may say so. Um, uh, And I think at at the core of this text today, uh, it's it's a continuation of what we have been uh, reflecting on for the past few weeks, uh, which is uh, a life of faith. and what James considers as um, living the life of faith. And if you remember, we we, um, we we found that for James, faith has to be manifested. So he says, show your works, right? Show your works and your actions. Show your faith through your works and your actions. And he goes on to say, show your wisdom, right? Let your wor- words and your speech reflect your faith. And so James talks a lot about showing and manifesting the life of faith, who you are uh, inside, right? So what we do matters, in other words. But we we need to uh, make sure that we don't misunderstand James here. James is not just saying that it's just your behavior that matters. It's just what you do that matters. It's just the, uh, James is not saying that it's just your external or visible aspects of faith that matters, quote unquote religion, right? The things that we do. In this text, James makes it uh, quite clear for us, for the readers, that what we do is essentially a reflection or an overflow of what is in sight. So in other words, what is in sight also matters. And I know that this is not a very strict mathematically or scientifically precise uh, um, sort of dichotomy that we have inner life and outer life, but I think it's helpful to understand uh, um, things uh, better if you see it in that way. The outer life is a reflection or an overflow of our inner life. What we do is a reflection of what is outside, who we are outside. So James really turns our attention to our inner life. That's why he's talking so much about desires and hearts and passions. Right? These are things of, quote-unquote, the inner life, our heart. So he goes from, show me your faith, show me your faith through your works, show me your wisdom, show me from your words, He goes from that kind of a focus to asking what is in your heart? What is the orientation of your heart and your life? What are the passions and the desires that animate your actions, that animate what you do and how you live? Uh, If you like, it it could be uh, put as the question of why rather than what or how. For me, I thought that's helpful. I don't know, that may not be helpful, but the question of why, like why we do the things that we do rather than what we do or how we do. So let's keep that in our mind as we uh, reflect on this text. And the first part seems to be uh, um, about the the heart, the desires, or the, the passions of a double-minded life. Okay, the double-minded life. And the, const- the, the word, the term double-minded has been occurring in, um, Uh, quite repeatedly in James. It starts in James chapter 1, verse 7, the double-minded person who believes one thing and acts in another way. So James seems to be uh, telling us that the passions or the desires, the inner life of a double-minded life. And James is quite blunt here, uh, as we have come to realize uh, about James. He says the inner life of a double-minded person is all about self-exaltation. It's all about self-indulgence. And so this inner life of self-exaltation, self-indulgence, all about self, is reflected in the outer life of having conflict with others, uh, self-serving ambitions, um, uh, self-exalting ambitions. These are reflect reflections of an inner life that is all focused on self-exaltation and self-indulgence. The word Desires and pleasures that we find in verse um, 1 and 2 and onward uh, apparently is, uh, it is a philosophically loaded uh, word and it's connected to the word that Plato apparently had uh, written quite extensively about, which is epithemia or hedone, hedone, from which we get the word hedonistic or hidden, hedons, right? So, Sel- the, the, the seeking of pleasure. And apparently Plato had written that these kinds of desires is what causes war and strife among human beings. And that's that's the kind of philosophical term that uh, James is employing here. The, the, the same kind of self-seeking lust for power, lust for popularity, and authority. and And so it would seem even if you look at the historical context, that there were people who who, who lusted for power, popularity and authority, and these, Passions were causing wars and fightings within the church, within the members of the church. And so James is addressing that. It's interesting because James here and also Jesus in, in his uh, conversations with the disciples calls such self-focused way of life as the way of the world. Uh, there's, there's one time when the disciples were all arguing like who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God who will sit at the right hand of God, and stuff like that. And Jesus says, that is the way of the world. It should not be among you, but that is the way of the world. And so the way of the world, uh, or um, the way that the world functions, so to say, is to function, uh, this refers to the values of human society that are hostile to God. And Jesus says, it should not be with you. The ways of the world should not be the way that you function in your in your congregation and james repeats the same motive as well that should not be so among you you should be different and i imagine how frustrating it must have been for jesus or even for for james or um, if i may say so for god because he calls his people sets them apart right that's what holiness is he, he sets god's people are call them out from the world to be different from the world to be prophetic to speak against the world to live in ways that are contrasted from the world. And instead of being separate from the world, his people wants to be friends with the world. His people wants to be one with the world. His, God's people wants to just follow the ways of the world. And here James is saying, if you want to be one with the world, you cannot be friends with God. If you are, your friendship with the world um, necessarily means that you are breaking off your friendship with God, And here of course the language of adultery uh, language of infidelity is used in james again these are massive intense words but uh, i think these are uh uh considerations or meditations that we need to take seriously in our hearts uh james uses the word of adult adulterous being adulterous against god because um and and this is a theme that is explored quite extensively in the prophets isaiah right jeremiah ezekiel uh often these prophets would accuse god's people of being adulterous of not loving god but loving other nations or loving other gods friendship with the world is to break off friendship with god uh, is hatred towards god of course this is contrast contrasted in chapter 2 where abraham is considered as the friend of god um and instead of being like Abraham, um, who was a friend to God and who was willing to sacrifice his most beloved to God out of faith, um, the people of God was being friends with the world. And what is scary to me in this text is, in we find that in verse um, in verse three, uh, James says, "You ask God in in other words, you pray, but even your prayer is not." Answered because your prayer, even your prayer, is a selfish endeavor. For me, this is really scary because here James is saying that even our religions, right, even our quote-unquote spirituality, can be a way in which we are um, serving ourselves, um, serving our own passions, serving our own hedone, the Greek word, and that's really scary for me. And here we we draw to a more positive perspective, right? When we look at God, on the other hand we see a different paradigm. We see a different paradigm. We see a new perspective. And when we look at God, we learn, so to say, a new way, a new orientation of living. And what, what is that paradigm that God shows us? In verse 4, God, uh, James tells us that God's desire, God's jealousy is for His people. And I think that's key because God is God is always doing things for the good of His people. God is jealous for us in the sense that Uh, somebody who loves us is jealous for us in the same way for our good Uh, for the sake of God's people God is always self-giving right Uh, the motive of God as a jealous God is explored in uh, other texts like Exodus where God calls uh, God says I am a jealous God I'm, I'm jealous zealous for my people of course all of us who have experienced love from somebody else understands this very, very clearly. The zeal of somebody who loves us—that's uh, the same kind of paradigm that we see in God. God gives grace to the humble. James says, God gives to those who need. God doesn't take for himself, but God gives. Um, God, James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, because God gives what generously. Right? He pours out. Whatever is needed for us, and we might ask, we might ask, why does God give? It's not not so that He wants to be possessive of us and uh, trap us in this relationship. No, God gives us so that we may be made perfect, we may be made complete, as James says in verse in chapter one. We may be made alive. In our other texts, uh, we we learn that God gives His love to us so that we can become His children, we can be adopted into The family of God. So when we look at God, instead of a parasitic imagery where one party takes and rips off from the other party, or even a transactional image where, like a business, where there's a give and take, you give me one and I'll give you A, you give me two and I'll give give you B, instead of that we see a relationship that exists um, which is purely out of love, which is purely out of faithfulness. God's desire is uh, depicted as one that is self-giving and self-sacrificial. And I think that's where the metaphor of a marriage relationship, um, the the metaphor of adultery uh, um, and uh, adulterous generation and infidelity, of course, is contrasted with faithful relationships. The metaphor of a marriage relationship is used to depict God's desire for us, God's love for us. And I think that's what we see when we look at God. And that's the paradigm that we are invited to follow as well. So what is our response then? And I think um, the practical response that James sort of spells out for us are uh, perhaps the biggest takeaway for us for today. James tells, in response, we must draw near to God and He will draw near to us. Um, What might that mean? I think at the the very, very least, it means that we must reciprocate god's desire for his people as god desires us uh, we also return that that love and that desire for god Uh, elsewhere we we know that we read in scripture we love because god first loved us right we we are friends to god because he first befriended us when we were still enemies and he loved us despite who we are Uh, not because we were very promising even though uh, we are all promising. But God loves us uh, uh, for the sheer fact that he, he wants to give uh, himself to us uh, selflessly. So rather than self-seeking and selfish desires, we are invited to submit to God, to follow the paradigm that God has revealed of himself, which is to love um, unconditionally. And, and then he goes on to say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I find this really interesting, Um, and I'm I was reminded of the occasion in which the devil tempted Jesus. And if you remember, the devil tempted Jesus of glory, if he denied the Father, if he take the glory for himself. Uh, James seems to be saying, resist that urge that the devil puts on you, and he will flee from you, Uh, to take for yourself, to be self indulgent, to be self seeking, right, and resist the devil, resist that urge. Instead of that, cleanse your hands, you sinners, James goes on. Repent of any wrongdoings that we might have, of any selfishness or self-indulgences that might characterize our life. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. If our hearts are double-minded, purify, meaning to, to, to make it clear, to make it single-minded, to be pure in that sense that we have one Single minded desire, which is to submit and to give ourselves away to God and for the sake of others. And I think, in a nutshell, the dilemma of human life uh, is so to say, uh, it can be put like this the question is, do you want to be self serving or do you want to give yourself away for the sake of others? And uh, and then the choice of Christian life is also, do you want to be self serving or do you want to give ourselves to God? True Christ, and following Christ, who himself gave himself for the salvation of creation. And what's remarkable about the way God has revealed himself in Scripture, right, is that we, we see from the Scripture that God is involved in the activity and in a posture of giving himself to his creation. God is involved in, uh, in, in the history, in the activity of self-sacrifice, of humility. And God is inviting us to be a part of that activity, of God's activity by submitting ourselves to Him. And I think when we submit ourselves to Him, like when Jesus submitted Himself to to God, to the Father, yes, He went through suffering, but eventually God raised Him up. You remember, God raised Him up from the dead. God lifted Him up and glorified Him. And we are also invited to follow the pattern of jesus to be a disciple of jesus and to submit ourselves to what he is doing and be lifted up as james promised so he says humble yourself under the mighty hand of god and in and he will exalt you he will lift you up so to conclude um i i just want to us uh, to ponder um on these uh, uh thoughts on these reflections of, from james chapter 4 James tells us, do not be like the world that takes and takes and takes and indulges and takes. Especially for Christians who say we follow Christ. It doesn't match when we say we follow Christ and yet we live in this, what is called hedone. That is being double-minded. Doesn't match because God is not self-serving. And if we are self-serving, we are living a double-minded life. But instead, we we ought to be like God, who gives and who sacrifices and single-mindedly and zealously loves the people, loves his people, loves others. We are invited to be like that. So our response: there's an active thing that we can respond uh, in this text, um, and that is to submit our hearts and our life to God, to to draw near to God, and we may no doubt, since we live in this world, we have we are uh, we have. Our, our sinful uh, thoughts and all of that. We may well have our self-centered goals if we really probe into our lives, but the the invitation is to submit actively, right? And I think that is repentance, right? To wash, cleanse our hands for any, uh, any of our acts of indulgence or um, selfishness, to cleanse our hands and to repent of that and to every day submit afresh and resolve to be single-minded in our desire to submit to God And to submit to one another. So I invite you to um, read um, at this point, uh, chapter 4, verse 7 to 10. And let this be our prayer. Let it be a speech to ourselves, to our hearts. Okay, Uh, James chapter 4, verse 7 to 10. Um, You don't need to unmute, I guess. But if you'd like, you can join me in reading out loud. And let this be the words that we are telling to our souls and to our hearts. James chapter 4, verse 7 to 10. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and a joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, And he will exalt you. Amen.